Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. The former Arkansas Razorback baseball player, Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor, Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star, Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell State. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. I'm a Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. But I'm going to tell you something. What you did is you made history, and what you did is you made the people in Arkansas who believe in your ass, who believe in you because they're here, so they believe in you, you made them come back, right? And on Sunday morning when they get up to go to church or get up to go to the Waffle House or whatever they want to do, you have given them an opportunity to be proud of the damn Arkansas Razorbacks. Welcome in episode 214 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host Kyle Sutherland and wherever you're listening on 1067 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate you guys for coming to hang out with us. The show is brought to you as always by our friends at Bet Online. We are a few weeks into football season and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for both pro and college football. Get the updated odds, props, and contest. And also, the online casino never closes. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus off your first deposit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This episode is for you, the fans. Thanks to the just absolute trouncing that the Razorbacks put on the Texas Longhorns. I will eat my crow here in a little bit. Don't worry. It's coming. We will talk about a few stats and players who shined here and there. But as far as X's and O's go, you can get that from the Sam Pittman show or you can break it down whenever you so please. But we want to hear your reactions. We did this kind of show format after the Mississippi State win last year since it was the last time or the first victory since the uh, last time the Razorbacks had won three years prior in an SEC game and so uh, did that also after the Sweet 16 victory over Oral Roberts and with the Texas victory holding the weight that it does to so many people whether it be back in the old Southwest Conference days whether it be from the Texas Bowl no matter what your age is I know that it's big in different ways for a lot of people and so we wanted to make sure your voices get heard and then in segment two we'll be joined by scorebook lives nate olson to talk some arkansas high school football recapping week two and first i want to go ahead and get off my chest admit defeat i was wrong i'm an idiot 
the Hogs are ready for Bama. Okay, they might not be ready for Bama, but let's not go quite that far. But as far as the complete performances, uh, you know, I've seen, I, I don't know that I have seen something like this in quite some time other than the Greg Brooks muff early that we got lucky and were able to get back. Special teams looked really, really good. Offensively, we were doing exactly what we wanted, and defensively, we were dominating the, the offensive line with the three-man rush. Uh, that's We haven't really dominated offensive lines a whole lot in the last few years, but especially with a three-man rush, what we were able to do was incredible. And so it was beautiful to see and even more beautiful uh, seeing that sea of red and white on the field afterwards. And, uh, Porter, I know you picked the Hogs to win, but, Cabo, uh, you were right there in the camp with me, and I'll give you the floor and go ahead and give you a chance to plead your case. Yeah, I just didn't see where I just didn't see the domination of the O line and D line last night. I didn't expect that after last week. Yeah, I know we ran the ball, but that was against Rice. Texas looked really good against Louisiana Lafayette, who was ranked 23rd. So if, if you look back, you can't, none of us can predict the future. We can get close and, and, and prognosticate and do what we want. But I didn't expect for us to come out and rush for 300 yards last night. I didn't expect to have five rushers have at least a 20-yard run. I didn't expect any of that last night. And the big thing that you just talked about was, okay, Greg Brooks muffed a punt. I had flashbacks of Reggie Fish in the, in the 06 uh, SEC title game in Atlanta against Florida. But it, it broke our way on that. Um, and I told you guys early on with a – if we can put five in the box and have a three-man line, down lineman on defense and only allow B. John Robinson to get two yards, it's going to be a good night for us. Yeah. Thank you, Steve and, and Sarkeesian. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Steve Sarkeesian, for start, starting Hudson Card because the Thompson kid is going to be trouble for a lot of Big 12 defenses. And, you know, I'll eat my crow. I'm proud of these guys. And like you said, Kyle, we'll get to some of these comments. Uh, to a lot of these people, this means more than an SEC win. So – uh, Porter, what are your thoughts on it, buddy? Well, the, the muff punt called back that, that was a turning point in the game. I mean, that, that was yeah. given, you know, Texas, the ball around the three or two yard line. And I mean, that could have really changed the dynamic of the game. And then we got to look at when, when Texas did score, we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's only, it was only a 16, nothing lead. Then they score for Arkansas and KJ Jefferson, all the flack he's been getting about, you know, not being efficient, which he completed 73% of his passes last night, you know, for him to come back and get that drive to me, that was the statement drive of like, okay, they can handle adversity. A, a team's going to score points. It's just how football is. And for them just to march right back down on, and they made it very, uh, um, uh, McElroy on, on the call last night was telling it, you know, get back on track is what they called that drive. Okay, they yeah. scored, you threw a pick, get back on track, and drive down the field. There was so many. And, yes, I picked it to win, but I didn't, nobody expected that. I mean, the deep way the defense was swarming, I mean, just for them to come in. I was very impressed with Ridgeway, how he come in, you know, after that. Love that guy. Me, and, and his fire. It, it, I said it last night. It, it's good for Pittman to finally get some of these transfers to come in and produce, you know and give them – and the kid from Florida State, he had some key catches last night on the offensive side. It, it was really cool. Hey, and, and we got to give it to Juracek's boy. Getting a block punt, I mean, getting him a block punt, was that, that was one of the coolest things. But, you know, the boys came to play. The Arkansas boys come to play. I mean, Henry, 15 tackles. Grant Morgan, they were just in the backfield all night. 
and to hold Bijan to 77 yards rushing, um, nobody could predict it. But I want to point out on the offensive line and offensive side of the ball and what Browse did. They tried to get the edges, and when a smaller athletic defense was beaten near the edges, he changed it up, said, we're just going to go through the tackles. And that's when they started having their success. And Texas even admitted after the game, they wore them down. They just couldn't get anything going offensively. And I think mentally it, it had card shook because there was a couple of throws. If he had been on, on target, they would have scored you know two touchdowns. I mean, they were getting in, in, in the back of the defense. So overall, very impressed. Hog fans enjoy it. Uh, um, you know, we got um, – a little cupcake game coming up next week against Georgia State or Georgia Southern. Is it Georgia Southern? Yes. Southern, yeah. Southern, Georgia Southern. So, all fans enjoy this 48-hour roll and keep marching on. Yeah, this was for sure the best. I don't remember the last time we saw the offensive line play this well against – I mean, they did pretty well against Mississippi State last year and in some of the wins, but to be as dominant as they were against a top-15 team, against a team of worth, I don't remember the last time that we saw this. But then again, I don't know the last time that we saw this kind of domination. Uh, you can think back to the 2014 Texas Bowl to see this kind of domination, but that was just on a whole other level to me. But, um, you know, it's I really don't remember the last time we saw something like this. And also for Bumper Pool to have to go through what he did last week and then to come back, and he only had one solo tackle, but he was in on 10 tackles in the second half. And, guys, one question that I wanted to ask, I was actually thinking about putting this out on Twitter, but I haven't. Do you think that most of the fan base would say, and I'll just ask you two's opinions because I know we can't speak for anybody else, but do you think that with all that we have endured over the last ten, over the last, I almost said ten, the last two to three years, yes, you could say 2017 as well in the final Beatleman year, but mainly with what happened under Chad Morris and then with having a COVID year last year and not really having to have a whole lot of, able to have a whole lot of people in the stadium, with this Texas blowout, do you think that this maybe justifies what we have been through to a lot of fans? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's vindication for the fans. They, they've sat through – I mean, the tr- the real fans that have been there through the 25,000 in the stadium to 30, to booing, to getting beat by Western Kentucky. You know, that's the point I was going to make is for this, so much hype around this game. I mean, I, I work in Northwest Arkansas and driving around Fayetteville all week. The buzz started on Tuesday, Wednesday, and yesterday it, it took me 30 minutes just to get through town. You know, from once from Martin Luther King 49 over on the other side of Huntsville. But you know, it, it was the buzz, and for Arkansas to come out in a game that was so hyped, we've seen this story so many times. For this a game to be hyped and they get let down. You know, and you're just waiting. What's going to happen? What's and then that muff punt? You're like, oh my god, here we go. Well, luck failed. The guy's toe was on the line, but for the fans to show up, give their support, and Arkansas to come out and play like that, I think that shows the fans. And then you hear what Coach Pittman said in our intro. You know, he gave love to the fans and said, "Look, they are proud of you. This is a proud damn state." And I think you're going to see a lot more fans in, say, like next week's game in particular, a game that might get. 30, 40,000. Now people are going to start treating this like they would the baseball, you know, and the basketball. They start winning these big games. It's going to get more fans in the stands for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a really good win. And if we, if we think back to the wins we had last year, it was close against Mississippi State all the way through until the end. We didn't know how it would happen. Tennessee, we started slow and then kind of pulled away late and figured out they weren't going to move the ball. 
And then Ole Miss, yeah, we were up 20 nothing at half, but we never really felt comfortable because that it's Lane Kiffin in an offense. So this was the first game, you know, we got up 3 nothing in the first quarter. But after the first quarter where we felt like, okay, it, it got to 20 to nothing, or 23-7, to 40-14, to, to where we were like, we can breathe a little bit and enjoy the win. We got to actually enjoy it. It reminded me of, if y'all can go back to 09 real quick, when we played Auburn. It was Gus's first year as OC there, I believe. They had a left-handed quarterback, Todd, and Jericho Nelson stuck a running back and his face mask stuck with him. And we won like 44-21 to 21 or something like that. It kind of reminded me of that to where we weren't really expected to do it. And then Florida, when we beat them at home 31-14, wore the anthracite jerseys. I think that was 15 or 16. 16, I think. And you just didn't get to see that type of domination from really start to finish because the defense came out, punched Texas in the mouth from the get-go. And as big, I'm a Sark fan because of the offensive background I have, but and he calls some really good combo routes on some deep routes, and, yeah, they missed some throws, but that's the point. They missed them. So we get to take advantage of that. Uh, I was talking to my dad last night. They were at the game, and he called me on the way home. He was like, man, he said, that felt like Razorback football. And he, he's sick. he's almost 70 years old, and he got to live through a lot of really good high points in this program's you know existence. So it's good to get, get back in the uh, – Pittman called last week that Rice was going to play bully ball. Well, last night we were the bullies, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun to actually see that. And, talking and to about, do it against Texas too, you know yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, and Cable, you mentioned you know your dad's been been through a lot of stuff, good and bad, throughout Razorback history, and has seen plenty of this this Texas Arkansas rivalry. You know, my dad talks about it. You know, growing up, he grew up in Southeast Missouri, so didn't really grow up a Razorback fan, but definitely watched growing up the the Texas Arkansas rivalry, and that was what I was going to talk about next. In as we go into the fan mail here. There was uh, Susan Barron had said. I'll we'll start off with her. I've been around since I was, or I've been around Razorback football since I was five years old. I'm now 78, so I, I uh, I'm just quoting we her. Not, not telling year you. old fan yeah. on Facebook. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. that's awesome. So she is. She's been around for the 25 Little Pigs. I mean, a lot of. The, I could guarantee she could tell quite a few stories. Remember all the SWC games, and of course in the SEC. And so, uh, Susan, appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you go all the way back to the 50s. I'm sure that she can talk about that. You know, in because I think that was 54 or 55. Uh, whenever we had had that with the uh, with, with the, the 25 Little Pigs. Now, there wasn't 25 actual guys on that. I can't remember the reason why they were named that, but I do know the oldest. So there's been so many Becketts that have played for the Razorbacks. You look at Jay, you look at Jake, you look at Chris, and then Chris and Jay's dad. I think Chris is Jake's dad. Um, but no, nonetheless, there's been like four or five that have played for them, and the oldest one uh, was was on the 25 Little Pigs. And so the, the team, I know they beat Texas and ended up winning the SWC amongst so many different uh, so many different obstacles stuck against them that I think they were picked like maybe second to last in the preseason games. And so and talked we were you guys mentioned about how the uh, card missed some missed some throws there, and this is uh, exactly what Brock Payton had to say, kind of touching on that. Good win, felt good. Removing my bias, we got lucky a couple times. If QB2 started, things may have been different. 
D-backs left guys open way too much. Can't do that against Ole Miss, Bama, et cetera. Something to build on. Hope Georgia Southern acts as a tune-up game, and we get to see Hornsby. I, I think that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely all about seeing Malik Hornsby. I know that there's been – you could probably argue maybe in the second half or even definitely parts of the first half against Rice that we should have seen Malik just because we really couldn't get anything going with K.J., but it seemed just like up until Malik played when the game was out of reach that that KJ still had things going. Now, we definitely still have some things to clean up offensively. I know that he he had some pretty good numbers, pretty decent numbers uh, through the air. I think he was like 15 and 19 or something like that. And yeah, then 14 had, of 19. Yeah, 14 and yeah. 19, and then had an interception with no touchdowns. And so we're, we're for sure going to have to clean that up. But guys running the ball, uh, it's like a linebacker running at you. And he's pretty dang fast. There was a lot of questions of, is he going to be in shape before the season started? And I, and I think that he's definitely answered those so far. No doubt. And he come out and got downhill quick. That, and the, the old play caller comes out in me, and, and I'm talking to you guys during the game, and I'm like, the middle's wide open, but you can't stutter step. And Texas was leaving us that good that quarterback draw, and Kyle, you pointed it out earlier – to where we're trying to get outside, trying to get outside, trying to get outside. Look, that's not going to work. And then you got Dominic Johnson, Traylon Smith, uh, A.J. Green, who's the fastest back we've had on campus since I don't know when. Uh, we ain't seen speed like that at Fayetteville uh, since probably Felix Jones, uh, definitely. So those guys got between the tackles and then got in open space. They were able to get past the second level and, you know, somebody's talking about uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Jimmy Moore, the second. Good to see three yards in a cloud of dust. It, uh, we had seven yards in a cloud of dust last night, and it was great to see. Well, and you're five yards away from having five running backs rush over 50 yards. I mean, yeah. that's not crazy balance. When's the last time? I mean, you'd have to go back to, you know, Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and, and Peyton Hillis, where you had that yeah. backs. And then, of course, you throw KJ. But, man, I'll tell you what, Tyson Morris is like this year's Davion Warren. I mean, he steps up and he is getting some catches in big key moments. I mean, I mean, he only had two, one catch for 45 yards, but it was in, it was in a big moment. And so he, he's doing really good. I love the balance of this team. And something I wanted to point out on the last pod, I just it left my mind, it was one of the few, I guess, positive things that I learned from, you know, what Coach Bielema wanted to do in his offense. He always preached 200 and 200. You want to try to get 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing. And, and in those types of games, they could be very successful. And I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, they're a little bit off on the passing, but you, you can't complain when you get over 300, almost 350 yards rushing. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up next was the, the Sam Pittman. We were going to talk about the running backs, and Sam Pittman had talked about that he really liked Dominique Johnson. He, he singled him out in the press conference last week, and we weren't really sure when we were going to see A.J. Green. I think he had had some injuries there, but that's the thing is that him and Rocket Sanders are two running backs that came in. These guys were getting recruited as D-backs to all the bigger schools. We probably, if, if OU would have allowed A.J. Green, or if they would have, I don't want to say allowed, if they would have been recruiting yeah, him yeah. as a running back, then he probably would have gone to OU because OU is going to get who they want typically in most cases, especially in the state of Oklahoma. And then also Rocket Sanders, I think was uh, I think he was mainly getting recruited as a wide receiver. Um, but yeah. I, know, I know some D-back as well from things I'd seen. But the guy, yeah, like you said, we were thinking, we were hoping that Rocket Sanders, in particular, from some of the things that we saw him do last week, that he was going to get more carries. 
And, uh, you know, he did that, and especially that touchdown run was just uh, – it, it was great. And so great great sign of things to come with them. And some more great things I want to tell you guys about are our friends at A-Plus Insurance Center in Ozark. A-Plus Insurance has you covered for your home, business, auto, life, and recreational policies. Check them out on Facebook at A-Plus Insurance Center. Visit their office at 312 West Commercial Street in Ozark or contact Marcus Berry at 479-667-3626. That's 479 479- 6673626 A plus insurance center in Ozark Arkansas and this is uh guys one that is a little bit it's a sentimental one I wanted to try to find one of these because we always want to whenever we do this the for the fans type shows um, I always like the responses and love to read off the ones that people talk about. Some of their family members or a spouse or friends that are that are no longer with us that they used to share these memories with. And uh, this is kind of a long one, but this comes from Tracy Goforth. Half of my family is from Arkansas, half from Texas. I grew up hearing the BS most years from the Texas side. I would be so happy with the win, devastated with the loss. I was happy to go to the SEC, but always miss that rivalry feeling. I was excited to see Texas on the schedule this year and was even okay with the news they were coming to the SEC. I talked with my nanny right before the season started. She's a huge Texas fan. She even mentioned how she would enjoy Texas and Arkansas playing and see her horns beat my piggies. Unfortunately, she passed away a couple of weeks ago. To me, this game is much more than a game. It's about family on both sides, bragging rights, pride, and makes makes the week so much better, and it shuts up those relatives from Texas. And, uh, Tracy, I, I can definitely relate with you. That was one thing I talked about the last time that we did one of these is uh, my uncle who passed away a little over two years ago. That was the person that I talked to before and after every single game. It didn't matter if it was baseball, basketball, football. Uh, that was the thing. He would always call me before games and say it was his little thing to say how much we betting on the hogs that every single time <laughs> before the game and then of course we would talk afterwards as well but it, she's so right though in that last part talking about it makes the week so much better especially for those of us that have to go into cabo i know you work from home and and that's where your office is for the most part but you know porter and i we have to report to work and and whenever i go in now i i'm around mostly razorback fans for the and and most cases there's a couple of we've got an OU and an Alabama fan so uh, tell me they're not on the bandwagon but anyways uh that it it does the food tastes better it makes if you're getting chewed out by a client it it, it doesn't make it quite as bad because you're already just in a good mood uh, it's That's just right. everything you know uh the the days seem it, the air seems crisper outside again the food's always better no matter what you're eating just about and so uh it's always great to see those things and, and you know of course to share these moments uh with with our loved ones and you know whether they are physically here with us or not well i got you know friends on Facebook that aren't even hog fans and they were showing respect last night. One of my managers at work, he's a diehard OSU fan, Oklahoma state fan. And he, you know, just to praise, I mean, I had people out in South Carolina, you know, Hey, great win for the team. You look on social media. I mean, they were getting love. Like they were, they were just as happy that we beat Texas than our own fans were, you know, and, and that just shows like the hatred for Texas is nationwide because you know, they're wanting to move into the SEC. But I thought it was really nice that, you know, Arkansas has always wanted to be a respected team. You're not going to be Bammer or Notre Dame, you know, them high-profile, you know, college football playoff teams. But they want to be respected. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I got last night. There was no trolling. It was all respect and love last night on social media for, for people that wasn't even Arkansas fans. Yeah, and it's, it, was, it was really good to see that – the media and I think Peter Burns and Peter Burns is kind of controversial for ESPN and 
it, you know, te- Texas is going to be Texas. They're going to recruit better. Sark, I think he's going to have a good program here in two or three years. They're, they're not there. Will they be Texas like they were under Matt Brown? That remains to be seen. I don't think they will because you got Oklahoma. that, And then you have the rest of the SEC that's going to go into Texas. Those schools that recruit nationally are gonna, always going to go into Texas. It's like baseball. Dave Van Horn is, is in the middle of Texas, east, west, north, south. It doesn't matter. All those kids have options now instead of staying home and playing for their school because guess what? you got Texas A&M now, so there's more options. And it still holds a sense of pride with a lot of people that had to go through uh, the BS like uh, Miss Goforth there that you read about and just the old school fans that are coming out and are able to be fans again and, and really get into what the program is doing. Because if you look at football is the only one that we were needing to get up there to say, okay, Arkansas Razorback Athletics is a national program, no matter the sport. We went through it during the spring when all the teams were ranked. Now you got baseball competing for national title, basketball back with Eric Musselman. We may be living in the best time in our era of Razorback Athletics. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, you look at every – it was all spring. You look at everything that we had from there and some of the fall sports as well, and everybody was just talking about how once we get football back on track, it's almost too good to be true. And I doubt that we're going to have the kind of success, at least to the level that we had of last year. I definitely think that we're going to have another good sports year. But to ask uh, that kind of high-level intensity, uh, I don't know that we'll see that again. But, you know, still feel pretty good about it. But I wanted to add on to what you were talking about about Sark and possibly having the program on foot, you know, here in the next two to three years. And that's one thing that people don't realize. Tom Herman wasn't fired because he did a awful job. He had a winning record there. I mean, he won a Sugar Bowl a couple of years ago when Sam Ellinger famously said, we're back. And we saw a lot of that last night on freezing cold takes and all that good stuff. But I'm not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves fans but one thing i was getting a little i told you guys in our group text i was getting a little bit of ptsd because (laughs) i was at the a&m game the last time we won and that was a&m's final year in the sec or in the big 12 before we came to the sec before they came and all throughout jerry world you would hear welcome to the sec or chance of the sec and we know what's happened since then. And so I'm not saying that's a, that's what's going to happen, but it definitely gave me, oh, man, I remember this. I remember us, welcome to the conference and all this stuff, and we haven't beaten them since. So hopefully we do not meet that same fate, but I'm not counting on that whatsoever. But I just had to point that out because I think that plenty of people who were at that game uh, w- would, would probably ha- uh, share the same feelings that I do. Yeah, and you can't get caught up in how they played against you know Colorado yesterday. A lot of people are going to take that, you know, that – last second win over Colorado and be like, well, look what we got against Texas. They're faltering. Now we know we can just go in. And of course that's a prisoner of the moment. You know, everybody's going to be acting like we can just take on the world. And you should, after a win like that, you should feel like the next day we can just, we can go take on Bama, anybody, you know, in your mind, but then you got to be all right, let's, let's move it one game at a time. But the point I was going to make is what I said last night when it comes to Texas is, Larry Johnson told us, too, they better go get some men. They were small. And when we had J.J. Matters on, he said that was the biggest thing that he seen in the transition from the SWC to the SEC was just how big they were. So, you know, they got to get some recruiting going on and get some bigger people on that line, or they're just going to get pushed around. Your Sark's offense might be able to score 34, 
40 points a game. But if you don't got them big guys up front, you're not going to have much success against the SEC. And I want to finish up here this segment. Uh, talk, I got I reached out to a couple of former Razorbacks that are actually former guests of this show. First one being Sam Olajabutu. I'd asked him, you know, I know you were a freshman on that team that beat Texas in Austin in 2003. And I just told him to give me one quick quote on it. And he said, man, it's I'll keep it simple. It's an awesome feeling. The way we dominated them physically, the players will remember that on both sides. It's almost like we have the upper hand for the next year that we play them, which will probably be 20. If it's not, if it doesn't happen next year, it's probably going to be in 2023. I do not see it happening all the way to 2025. It's it's probably going to be, if not next year, if they don't work something out, which I am not we're definitely with how fast all this is going has gone up to this point. I'm certainly not ruling that out happening in 22, but it's probably going to happen in 23. And then another one from Richard Smith, who uh, I believe he caught a touchdown pass in the game in Austin in 2003 and then was also yep. a part of that team in 2000 at the, at the turn of the century when we played them and blew them out in the Cotton Bowl. If you know anything about the history of Arkansas versus Texas, then you know it's a big game. Being a kid from Shreveport, Louisiana and going to Arkansas, there were two teams I always wanted to beat, Texas and LSU. The two times we played Texas in the 2000 Cotton Bowl in 2003 in Austin, both of those, we beat them. Winning those games meant so much to the program, to the team, to the players, to the coaches, and to the fans. Besides winning an SEC or national championship, the Texas game is probably the one Arkansas loves and wants to win the most. I don't think, Richard, I don't think there's any debate. You saw what happened last night. You saw what happened Saturday night. You saw what happened Saturday morning with. Marty and McGee, which uh, Shouts Porter got to meet those guys. And also, you know, Clay Travis and Outkick came out. I know he's a very polarizing figure, but he's still national media. Uh, the, all of the guys from SEC Nation, Paul Feinbaum, took off the Texas helmet and threw it out in the crowd. Slung that it. was awesome. Slung <laughs> that it. That was awesome. And, and you think about these guys. You, you, Porter, you mentioned J.J. Metters, another Louisiana guy that uh, was really kind of one. He, he and his uncle were really – two of the main ones that got the, that Razorback pipeline to North Louisiana. And these kids from Louisiana, let's be real, they grow up, most of them, I can't speak for all, but most of them are are trying to play for LSU. Most of the kids that grow up in Texas, you're trying to play for UT or A&M, but most of the time it's UT. And typically, if they don't get an offer from them, they'll go to, to Arkansas or to a smaller Texas school or maybe to a Louisiana Tech or something. So whenever they get that offer, for especially from Arkansas, and you get the chance to play, you get the chance to play LSU every year, and you're about to get the chance to play Texas every year. It means that much more to them. Just listen to what Clint Sterner has to say about it, a Baytown, Texas native, and so many others. Bill Montgomery, the quarterback for the Razorbacks there in the late 60s. He was from Carroll, Texas. I think Chuck Dykus was from somewhere in like central or northeast Texas. I can't remember which one it is, but there's so many throughout history that are Texans, that are, Louis, that are Louisianans, especially in the 60s. Frank Boyles really started that pipeline to Texas. I know Wilson Matthews was also a really big part of that. And it just means, we talk about the SEC meaning so much more, it just means so much more to these guys to be able to, to have a win of this magnitude. And, you know, guys, let's just let's call it like it is. A lot of these guys from the 60s, they're not going to be with us a whole lot longer, the ones that are still remaining. And so it is, it's, it's really good to have those guys, you know, the Ken Hatfields, the Jerry Joneses, the, the uh, Jim Lindsays that are still there to tell us about this rivalry. Because, look, I don't remember it. I, I don't. I was one year old whenever we joined the SEC. And so, yes, I've been around for all the times that we played them since then. Um, you know, I, I've never really had a reason to hate Texas. I, I've been very vocal about it. I, I love to beat them. Don't get me wrong. 
I love all the pageantry and all the stuff that, that, you know, goes along with it. But, uh, you guys know my hatred for Ole Miss. That's who I am extremely passionate about, but it, it just shows how much it means to these, these players for, past and present to know that I'm sure they were quite educated. The ones that are on the team right now, that were quite educated on this rivalry over the last week. And, uh, you know, it's just great for these guys like the Grant Morgans and so many others that are going to be a staple of putting this program back into the winning ways for them to at least be able to go out at the end of this year, knowing that they beat the brakes off of Texas. Well, and if they didn't know, they know now they got, they got a crash course this week. And then of course the crowd, but you know, you go back to the players back in the sixties that, you know, they didn't have scholarship limits. You know, Texas would just stack their roster because they didn't want them people going to the other other teams, even if they're going to play them or not. So there was a little animosity there. And then Cabo, you know, with your ref and pedigree, you know, they wouldn't even let Arkansas refs ref in Texas. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I they, they shut them out. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's weird. You think you know the rivalry and all three of us, you know, we had we talked to Danny, you know, and he just said he didn't get it. Even I was educated on stories that I didn't even know. They uh, There was a quarterback talking that the reason why he came to Arkansas is because Texas told him, say, well, you might have a chance to play at quarterback, but we might put you at defensive back or, or, or halfback. He wanted to be a quarterback, and Arkansas come in and told him, you're going to be our quarterback. So, I mean, there's so much that time, you know, and it's, we talked about that generational gap, and I, it's so cool to see it come back together. Yeah, and so we'll we'll continue to enjoy this one, and, uh, and as this show drops on Monday, we'll be close to forty eight hours since then. But you know, at th- that point, it will be on to. So I guess as you guys are listening to this, we're on to Georgia Southern. We play that game. It's next uh, next Saturday at three o'clock on. Is is it SEC Network that we're playing that one? I know it's at three o'clock. Yeah, it's SEC Network. That's right. So it's on the network, and we'll have uh, we uh, should be expecting to have someone, a media member from that side, to uh, be on to talk with us about that game. But, uh, again, guys, thanks for joining in with us. I guess, guess, man, we're 214 episodes in now. I guess you've got a couple extras as well if you count the bonus episodes. But, uh, man, it's great to to have another football season here, and we're already already two games into that. You know, but what is it next week will be – quarter of the way through this through the regular season it's crazy how fast it takes us forever to get there and and then it just goes by so quick but guys if you're on one of the podcast forums be sure and hit that subscribe button if you're on the apple podcast always make sure if and i don't always at least once make sure to give us a five-star rating and uh, written review but again thanks for coming to hang out we appreciate you guys as always for joining us on the hog talk podcast And uh, up next, we've got high school football week three recap with Scorebook Live's Nate Olson. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336.
We're back on episode 214 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you, and we now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we are joined by Scorebook Lives and Nate Olson. Nate, appreciate you for coming to hang out for a bit. And I know other than the uh, Iowa, Iowa State game, that wasn't the uh, greatest in terms of college football for you this weekend. But other than that, how was your weekend? Well, it was great. And you know what just happened a few minutes ago is the Chiefs uh, – tapped into the Cleveland curse, you know, no, no, no lead is safe in Cleveland and Kansas city. I, you, you may not have known that I'm a big, a diehard chiefs fan too. So I think they rescued my sports weekend by pulling off a, I'm not going to say improbable come uh, win, but it was, it didn't look too great and they played really good at down the stretch. So that, that kind of helped. Yeah. Iowa state, that was, that was a downer, but we won't we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs you can never count out. Uh, it, it seems really no. since Pat Mahomes, or even during the right before the Pat Mahomes era with uh, Alex Smith, and they started building yeah. those teams together. It's uh, it's been some great times in KC. I wouldn't know anything about that really being a, a Cowboys fan, but yeah, uh, well, my my older son's a Chiefs fan. With me, and my younger one's a Cowboys fan. You'd really like him. He gets uh, he got so mad the other night that my wife had a hard time getting him to bed. He he was. <laughs> really angry she had to kind of threaten him with a grounding from the madden game that he was getting because he was he was getting pretty pretty hostile about that last call oh yeah the field goals so oh yeah i know you, you'd I know like you, know, you guys are cut from the same cloth with the cowboys <laughs> yeah for sure for sure well it was a great slate of high school games this past friday yeah. night and uh, i know you were at the bowling bowl whitehall yep. and parkview which we'll get into that and then i was at the yeah. cabot el dorado game and, and i gotta say nate i I was pretty shocked. I thought that Cabot was going to win this one by at least two or three touchdowns. No disrespect to El Dorado. No. Stephen Jones has some great things going on there. Maybe some of the in, – in terms of from top to bottom, El Dorado might have the best skill players in the state. When you look at DeAndre Burns, who's a junior, and he has a Arkansas offer already. Jackie Washington, who has – I think he's got Middle Tennessee State and maybe one other Division One offer. He had a fantastic night as well. And um, – you just look at them from top to bottom. Even Coach Scott Reed said it. They've got some of the best skilled players in the state. But yeah. ultimately, Cabot just won by six points, 41 to 35. There was It was 14 to six at halftime, and then 56 points total between the two teams combined uh, scored in the second half. So a lot of fireworks there. It was actually hard for me to keep up, trying to type my story, trying to tweet, keep up <laughs> with what was on the field, all that. But yeah. have you gotten a chance to look at Cabot's Braden J yet this year? I've seen some highlights of him. I know that our THV 11 tour game night tour will take us to, to a Cavett game at some point. I, I know that uh, we, we go to a game every week and I am positive that we'll see him somewhere, but he looks electric and, and some of the things that he's doing where he's scoring a couple of different ways. He's dangerous. He's one of those guys that, you know, like we talked about the chiefs, like Tyree kill, you get the ball to him and he's a home run threat wherever on the field he gets the ball, it seems like to me. I definitely want to see him play, and uh, I think he brings an added dimension to that ball club, and when you're looking at things in the offseason, and it's kind of hard sometimes to quantify things when you're doing rankings and you're looking ahead, and so I perhaps uh, didn't didn't pencil them in as high as I maybe should have, uh, I mean, I think they're, they were in our top five, uh, but I, I really like what Coach Reed has done there. And I think now after watching some of these games or, you know, the tape and reading about it, that, that maybe this is a team that can beat 
uh, Bryant, you know, maybe, and, and, and th- things would have to kind of all come together. As you know, sometimes you get breaks and things happen, but I think maybe that with their depth, of defensive line, him, uh, the running back and the quarterback, they've, they've got some good pieces there. And so I, I, I think that, that maybe that's possible. And I also like, you know, we can talk about it later, but North Little Rock, I think, they and I, and I have them at number two. A lot of people didn't didn't agree with that. Now that the rankings are changing and they're moving them up, I had them there at two to begin with. But but certainly Cabot is I think now proven that that they are a force to be reckoned with. And maybe should have known that after they beat Bentonville last year, made a run to the semifinals. But I, I think they could go to a state title this year with the right draw. And if they were you know to beat. Bryant in the regular season, which that'd be interesting, but yeah, def- definitely a lot of props to coach Reed over there and the players they have. Yeah. That's seven, a central, just like we thought is a pretty brutal conference there. You, you, you look at, of course, Brian, everybody knew that they were going to be good despite having to reload with some players, particularly at running back and quarterback, losing a guy like Austin Ledbetter, the Landers award winner. And then at Cabot, yeah, Braden had four touchdowns the other night, and he's had incredible – he's been one of our players of the week at Rocktown every every uh, week this season, so the past three weeks, week zero through two. And he broke the – now, I don't know how much this is saying – because not, I shouldn't say it like that, but he broke the, the – single season uh, or single game receiving record. And the reason why I say it might not seem much is because Cabot didn't really know what a forward pass was until what, like two, three years ago when Scott Reed came in, we're being a little, yeah, being a little facetious there, but still nonetheless, eight receptions for 229 yards. And then Mason Bell, the running back you're talking about scored the other two touchdowns and Grant Freeman quarterback doing a pretty good job of uh, taking over for, for Tyler G starting to get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that that might have been the one hesitancy I had about uh, predicting a championship run because you lose a guy like G. That's that was my my comment on a lot of those central teams. Is they all they all had lost quarterbacks, so you you you're it's kind of a crapshoot in that regard sometimes when because because if somebody has their quarterback back, then you say, well, they're the logical choice to probably take the league because. And let's just say G was back and the others at all. Well, you'd go with Cabot probably because he was a super talented guy that was, uh, you know, going to uh, an FCS, FCS school. So, but they didn't have that. Bryant had their vacancy and so did uh, Conway. So, uh, so that, that makes things a little bit different when you're evaluating and kind of going back to El Dorado too, a little bit. Uh, they, they're talented, like you said, but I didn't give them a lot of chance in this game. I watched the the Camden game, and Camden's a very good team too with a lot of athletes. But you know, El Dorado has to make that stand, you know, late in the game to win that. So, what considering that, you know, you might think, well, a team like Cabot who has handled two other teams in the six A East, you know, El Dorado probably doesn't have a chance to keep it too close. But to their credit, and a lot of times, what happens between if it's zero week or week one, whatever your first game is to the second game, a lot of times there are some improvements there. And they obviously made some, and they have to feel good about themselves now because the coaches don't like to talk about moral victories. But when you play a 7-8 team that people talk about as one of the best in that league or in that classification, you have to feel good about your chances in, in 6-8 then. 
And also the, the team that you were just talking about, North Little Rock, I, I know for sure that they have shocked me. I, I didn't put them near as high. I think I had them like around fourth or fifth. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure I picked them fourth uh, to begin the season. You know, Randy sure. Sanderford been there for a long time, but, you know, you lose a guy like Kareem Cotton, uh, one of the more underrated players in the state, I think, from last year that ended up going. Agreed. I think he's at North Ether, North Eastern, not North Ethern, Northeastern State now. Um, you lose Fred O'Donnell, goes to Henderson State. But then you got guys like Johnny Lewis back on at uh, running back and wide receiver kind of plays a little bit of a mix there. Braxton Johnson on the defensive side of the ball. And then uh, Malachi, I can't remember his last name, Malachi, the quarterback, he's done a really good yeah. job so far this year. But they beat Fayetteville 14-7 to in a defensive battle there. And Fayetteville has – you know they they had a lot of high expectations coming in with three Division One players. Now I understand Manny Powell, the Arkansas commit, him coming in. You can't really expect him to play at an extremely high level, at least in terms of getting the, the defense at Fayetteville down because he just came in. I don't really know exactly what kind of season he's having up to this point, but. Bladen Fike, up until the other night, had been having – I think he was actually the state's leading passer up until yeah. North Little Rock did a really good job against him. But, you know, North Little Rock has definitely surprised some people starting off the season 3-0 and here. 2-0, uh, and I guess is what it is. Uh, but what do you think of Fayetteville right now? I know that they are 1-2. and two. They lost to Owasso. They beat Conway, which is, looks like a pretty good win right now. But what are your what you're mm-hmm. thinking on? You know, this is a, a lot of pressure on Nathan or on Casey Dick right now in year three at Fayetteville. I've talked about that in previous weeks. You know, what do you think they're they're kind of standing at right now? I still like him or like them, and 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 you know, coaches, Coach Dick, uh, Casey Dick, what he's done so far this year. I, I think that you know, they hired a new offensive coordinator. I think they knew coming in to this season that they had to make a splash in the 7A West, that, that there was some pressure, there was some disappointment after last year. And I think the offseason, you know, the fight kid is unbelievable. I, I the, the the sort of um, criticism that he took last year after that Central game, I mean, he took that and, and he said he was going to do this, and I think he has. He bottled it up and he put it in the back of his mind every time he went to the weight room when he went out to work out with uh, Isaiah Satenia when they weren't worked on routes, that's been in the back of his mind. It's been a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and that's the right thing to do with something like that. You you come back the next year determined to show people that you are a much better quarterback, and he has done that. And I think Casey Dick has shown that along with his staff that you know he is a good coach and that they can win. So I'm still high on him. I, I think it was a trendy pick among – people like you and I and others that that predict this kind of stuff to kind of have them crown them as a comeback team to watch like, Hey, watch this. They're going to turn it around. I think a lot of people thought that. And I thought it just because I think they're very talented. And I think that he had the, that Casey Dick has kind of something to prove with his coaching ability too. So when you look at it, you beat a Conway team who beat Bentonville you lost narrowly to Owasso, and actually they were going to get the ball back late in the ball game on a punt, and they muffed it. So they stopped Owasso down by six, and with the ball, you don't have a chance to have the ball on a drive. And then North Little Rock, um, they have North Little Rock pinned in their own territory on a fourth and one, and North Little Rock goes for it, and then is able to melt the clock, which I thought was a very gutsy move by coach Randy Sandifer. And that was, and that is why 
I think North Little Rock is, you know, why we have them ranked so high and why they have a chance to go because of things like that. They believe in their kids. And, and that's what I, I was banking on the kids. When I pick somebody two and they've got a new coach, I'm banking on the kids. The kids have done this for the last five years. The coaches have been there, but it's been the kids that you're putting your money on because they have come in and went to five championships with a carousel of coaches. But, but Fayetteville, I like them. The Bentonville-Fayetteville game is going to be really interesting when that happens later on. Uh, I think Bentonville now is playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, after losing to Conway. Um, and they came out and drilled rockers. So it's, it's, it's a fluid thing. But I, I do think Fayetteville could go to the state championship, just like I think Cavett could go. Uh, it all depends on the draw and depends on their seating. But I like them. They're very, they're very athletic, and they're going to win one of these games that comes down to the end. You know, they're they're probably going to win when the ball's going to bounce their way at some point. We're talking with Nate Olson from Scorebook Live, and Nate, I want to talk about the bowling bowl that you were at, Parkview thirteen, mm-hmm. Whitehall ten. We weren't really sure how that one was going to go out because you, you know that Parkview has all this talent like they typically do every year, but they played a Little Rock Southwest team in week zero that was struggling really bad. Uh, week one. I keep getting week one and week zero mixed up. Yeah, I guess they I, played them in week one. Yeah. They played them in week yeah. one and beat them, I believe it was like 47 to nothing. Uh, you know, yeah. Little Rock Southwest having some real tough times there in, uh, in uh, Daryl Patton's second year. But Whitehall really has come out and surprised a lot of people beating beating Warren 35 to nothing last week. So we're like, okay, yeah. maybe we're not really sure what this game is going to look like. And again, Parkview ended mm-hmm. up winning it by a field goal there. So what are some things that you saw in that game? Well, it was kind of an ugly game, and Whitehall kind of made it ugly with their defense, and their defense is good. Talked to Bobby before the game, and he said, well, I feel, I feel really good about our defense, and he said – I know they're going to be in the right place. They're a veteran defense. Now the question is, can we tackle, you know, James, James Jointer, the running back, and Jalen White, the quarterback, and Jalen did go off a little bit on them. But, you know, the first drive of the ball game, they get all the way down inside the red zone, and Whitehall stopped them on fourth down. So they, there were some really great things that Whitehall did in that game uh, that have to make them encouraged as they go on to the 5A and some of those 5A Central games they play in against Pulaski Academy and others, Little Rock Christian will be interesting to see if they can stop or contain those offenses. But my takeaway from Parkview is they're very athletic, but they were a little bit inconsistent. I mean, you got to punch it in when you get it down there inside the 10. Uh, and there were some other opportunities too. But when you talk about explosiveness, uh, they've got it. And they have they have men at every position, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of tall, big athletic guys all over that roster at different positions. And Brad bowling, I've known him a long time. I've known Bobby too. I, I respect both of them as great coaches. And, and so I think both of those teams can make um, deep runs and, you know, Parkview, a lot of pundits and, and prognosticators, I think they kind of have uh, underrated them a little bit because when you look at their league, you've got Greenwood, Benton, and Lake Hamilton. So I think they fall in behind them. But Joiners, you know, I saw him on an interview. He said, you know, we feel like we've, we've kind of got a, um, you know, a chip on our shoulder because nobody thinks that we can win. And when you have or win the, you know, win a conference title or whatever, but when you have that kind of athleticism, if you can get everything 
together on a Friday night, you can you can be competitive with anyone. I mean, you, you're talking about several Division One recruits on that team. So I think Brad Bolding would have liked to see them been more consistent and that game not be as close going down in the stretch. I mean, Whitehall has a chance to kick a field goal at the end. They're driving. Now, that does say something about your defense. that They're able to buckle down and, and stop the drive on fourth down. But I think they would have – they would have hoped that in the fourth quarter the game was more out of reach than it was, and that and it would have been if they could have capitalized on a couple of those drives, particularly that first one of the game, and that might have that might have changed the entire complexion of the ball game, uh, you know, if it, had they scored there. And some other matchups from this past week, you got Joe T. Robinson. They beat Marion twenty-one to nineteen, and they've had a really good bounce back. They got blown out by PA in week zero, and then they yeah. won a uh, overtime at last really last second play uh, overtime matchup against 5A Maumel in yes. week one. And then, like I said, beating Mary in a 6A school, and Joe T's a 4A. So they've really rebounded yeah. over the last couple of weeks from week zero. Then Warren beat Stuttgart 47-27 to to avenge that thirty that aforementioned 35 to nothing loss to Whitehall. And then the big one that I think a lot of people were shocked, at least in Arkansas, Lipscomb Academy beats PA at home 64-28. to Now, I guess we probably didn't know here in Arkansas what kind of team that Lipscomb Academy had. Um, you know, like PA, obviously, over the over the first two weeks, um, especially against Madison Ridgeland, like what they did to Robinson. And then Madison Ridgeland comes in, a very respectable program out of Mississippi. They beat yeah. them pretty handily, and then they go and take take one on the chin themselves in Nashville. And so – you look at those yeah. scores right there, and, and you see some surprises in there. But speaking yeah. of surprises, as we close it out here, is there a team that has really surprised, maybe one team that's really surprised you from a good standpoint and one that surprised you from a bad standpoint? Um, Camden Harmony Grove, and I don't know a lot about them. I'm trying to learn more about them. But them beating Junction City 39 to nothing, that was a surprise to me. And they're a 3A team, but I think they weren't very good last year. And – you know, they, uh, they've come out and beat Junction City. They played four dice really tough. So maybe they have solidified themselves as sort of a, a maybe a playoff contender in 3A. We'll have to see. I mean, maybe not a deep run, but, I mean, they weren't very good last year at all. And they, they something's happened because they played really good. Um, on the other side, on a, on a negative side, um, Man, I'm I'm having a hard time coming up with too many on there. I I don't I don't really know uh, on that who I would have had high expectations for that that's kind of faltered. I I don't I I'll have to get back to you on that because I at this point nothing is really coming to my mind. I don't think. Um, yeah, Kyle, I don't I don't know what what do you think about is it, what are some of the are there any teams you've thought about in that regard? Man, you know, I haven't, I would say, I would say probably, so, you know, I'm sure you've seen my post. I'm not uh, extremely high on Fayetteville. That might be, now you've watched them more than me. So if you and I were talking about this and debating about it, then I would definitely probably take your word over because you've seen them more than me. But um, I thought that last year they just were extremely underwhelming. I understand it's a COVID year. I understand that there's all kinds of different things. I did see them play twice last year, and I was very underwhelmed. You know, their three wins were against teams that were 11 and 34. Last year's last year. So I looked at it, you know, I kind of had a fresh slate. 
And again, like you said, they did Owasso is no slump team. I know that they are a really good program out of out of Oklahoma, but um, I, I would probably go out of all of them that I, I would probably say Fayetteville just starting off one and two because I think that they are more talented than that. And I, and I think with the talent that they do have, and that's not to take anything away from North Little Rock. Uh, again, like we said, North Little Rock is a, a good but surprising team considering how we thought that they would be this year. But I am a little bit shocked to see Fayetteville at one and two with with the talent that they do have. Um, I, I was a little bit shocked to see them just put up a touchdown. Just kind of like I was extremely well, shocked to see a team full of college prospects really last season and it's kind of switching gears here in the quarterfinals of the 6A playoffs for and Sylvan Hills was maybe the hottest team in the in the state definitely in 6A but to, for them to shut out Parkview in the manner that they did last year I was really shocked about that but I, I would say probably my disappointing team would be Fayetteville being one and two through uh their first three games and anybody that knows me knows that I'm that I can be a little bit soft as far as forgiving people on things like that. And maybe that's coming into play with, with Fayetteville because I'm keeping in mind that Owasso, <clears throat> we have a scorebook live market in Oklahoma and they're number one in that poll in the, in the power poll in Oklahoma. And you, and you know what kind of football is played over there and Absolutely. some of the, you know, Jinx and union. So they're number one there. And then I think North Little Rock, the cream's kind of risen to the top early with them with what they did to Harbor and then winning. So I don't hold that against them as much. I'm going to, if they go to Bentonville and would get wiped out, you know, then I would, then I would agree with you. You know, if they, if they just laid an egg in a couple of those seven, a West games, but if this is, if these two games are their, the main blemishes on their schedule, then I, I, you know, that that's why I'm kind of still trying to reserve judgment and really, trying to reserve judgment on us on some other teams too. But I like the question. It just, it's something, it's something that I haven't talked a lot of or thought a lot about, but, uh, but Fayetteville, that's why I would give them, I wasn't sure when I, when I looked at them and you say that somebody is going to be a surprise team, well, then, you know, you want to feel confident that they're going to win a lot of their games. But I looked at their non-conference schedule and I thought, well, I don't know if they're going to win um, two of those three. But the, what I, where I will give them some style points is that they went to Owasso and they competed at Owasso. And that game was in doubt in the fourth quarter. And, you know, there's a lot of teams that go to Owasso and are not in the game then. And then, you know, with North Little Rock, I think they they had their chances and, and probably, you know, the North Little Rock defense played good, but um, – you asked me about this after they play a couple of the seven A West games, and uh, and we can revisit that to see. But I think I think they can give Bentonville a game. I think they can. Uh, Bentonville surely will be ready to play that game. That's a big game for them when both those teams are good. So yeah, yeah, it'll, that's definitely worth watching on some of the others though. On who was who had high praise, but you know, like I look at Greenwood. You know, I still feel great about them. They, they lost the north side, but, I mean, it's a 7-8 team, so you really can't say you're disappointed there. Not disappointed with Pulaski Academy because I still feel good about them going to a state championship because Lipscomb obviously is really good. They're one of the best 2A teams in, in Tennessee, and they're coached by uh, Trent Dilfer and Phil Dawson, the, court, the kicker. His 
sons on the team. So, you know, they're talented. I think that score shocked me a little bit. And we, you and I are just so used to PA always being in games. We just think they're always going to do it. But I don't think, I don't look at that score and say, oh, I think PA is going to, you know, they're going to have a tough time or Anthony Lucas um, is not the same kind of coach as Kevin Kelly. That I don't do that. But I, I did see that there are some people that have said, well, well, write them off. You know, they're, they're, no, I'm, I'm not ready to do that. And I think you have to always look at who people play and where they play them. And when you go out of state to play a heavyweight team, and you get a little bit of benefit of the doubt there, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's that's one thing I actually told Anthony. I was like, man, you know, I've always respected you as a person from the time that he was a hero of mine when I was eight years old. But uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you, that is about as big as shoes to fill. That's why I told, you know, I know that Spencer Adams at Barton didn't take over for Frank McClellan, you know, the winningest coach in state history, but a few after, and he has to walk by all the, the statues and all the plaques every yeah. single day. It's, it's tough to do. And, you know, especially for a first time head coach uh, like coach Lucas, but I definitely believe that he's going to continue to do some great things, but uh, yeah. So. Yep. Go oh, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was, I was going to close it out here, but if you got something else, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that Anthony is a great guy and, that, and, and that's, and that's why, a lot of people think that he's going to do well there because the kids love him so much. Kevin Kelly said there isn't anybody that, you know, has that much trust or, or admiration from a player. And so that's what I'm banking on. And we'll see how that central conference goes, but I, there could be some tight games in there, Kyle. I mean, I, I think that that league has got some talent in it, so we'll see, but I will go ahead and let you close it out. We could probably talk for two hours tonight. Oh, no question. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we've been talking with Nate Olson from Scorebook Live. Uh, Nate, we're almost a quarter through the season. It's crazy how we were talking about in the first segment earlier, how fast it goes and, and all that. But we'll, uh, as you guys know, as we've been doing on the last few weeks, we'll continue to do our high school segments as football season continues to roll along. We'll do anything from seven to all the way down to 2A. Of course, we don't have time to cover all those classes in one segment. So we'll kind of do it sporadically as we go. But, Nate, Appreciate your time, my man. I'm sure I'll be talking to you here down the road soon. Yes, thank you, Kyle, for having me. Have a great night. Well, that'll do it for episode 214 of the Hog Talk Podcast, presented by Bet Online. For Nate Olson, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will see you Friday, but until then, stay safe, stay cool, and go Hogs. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.